Hey man, Dr. Greg here, and welcome to episode 25 of the Bedatitudes podcast. We're continuing our conversation about blessed are the dads who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And we're going to specifically focus today on our relationship with our kids. Um, and of course, you know, the idea of righteousness, you know, comes from cultivating a, a more meaningful relationship with God. Um, righteous, we don't, we can't be righteous on our own. Righteousness comes from the grace that we receive from our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Um, and sometimes we experience persecution, even from our kids, in trying to raise them to be faithful people. Um, and so there are five things that I want you to keep in mind uh, as we go through this. And, and by the way, the, these five tips are um, a short version of a larger book that Lisa and I did called Having Meaningful, Sometimes Difficult Conversations with Our Adult Sons and Daughters, which is really not just about having difficult conversations, but really about cultivating a mentoring relationship with your young adult and adult uh, children. But, you know, the fact is we can get pushback from our kids from as early as, you know, middle school to teenage uh, teenagers about living out our faith and our values, and we end up feeling persecuted. We're just trying to do our job of, of being uh, godly men, raising godly households. And you know, why do the kids have to give us such a hard time about it? Um, so I want to just walk through five different steps that, that, are, that we can all take to kind of take down the emotional temperature <clears throat> and approach that, that, that pushback, that persecution we feel um, in a more graceful way. Uh, and the first one is, is collect our kids. That's the first step is collecting your kid. You know, when your kid's either pushing back about going to mass or following the rules or, or saying they don't believe in God anymore, the first step is to really look at our relationship. Uh, because nine times out of 10, when kids especially, um, adult kids somewhat less so, but, 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 but still, um, but definitely teenagers and younger, um, when they have problems with the faith, it's really more about their attitude toward us. Um, nine times out of 10, um, when a kid is being defined about going to church or saying, I don't believe in God or, or saying, I'm not sure about, I want, I'm not sure I want to be Catholic anymore. Um, there might be other things going on there and we'll get to that. But the first step is really checking our relationship. And even if it's a good relationship, we want to just take some time to really just be with that child. Um, one of the points I make in having meaningful conversations is, is that our relationship has to be deep enough to contain the conversations we want to have. So if, if we want to have a deep conversation about faith and meaning and identity and who we are in God, you know, in God's plan, I, I can't just be having conversations with my kid about current events, right. And what's, what's going on in their day. I, I we have to have a relationship that, that means that, we're talking to each other on that level. It's not not just me talking at them, but them talking back to me and talking with me. So, you know, whether our relationship is strained or it's good, we want to take some time to really check in on that relationship and collect our kids and maybe, you know, go out for breakfast or, or take some time to just do a project together and just be with them and really just, just solidify that connection that we have with them that, that makes it easier to have that conversation uh, or do the work that we need to do to repair the relationship before we have the conversation, because it's going to go a lot better if we actually um, are in a better place with the kid than if, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to fight an uphill battle because we're addressing this religious issue or this moral issue um, without, well, while trying to ignore the fact that, you know, 
they're not really, they don't really like us very much. And, and we need to fix that. So number one, collecting our kids, are we making sure to really either uh, solidify the relationship or heal the relationship that, that needs to be healed so we can have this conversation about these issues in an effective way. Second point, don't lecture, listen. So it's really upsetting, you know, really upsetting when our kids tell us that, that they don't believe or they don't want to go to church or they, you know, they, they think our rules are stupid or any of those kinds of things. And it's really hard to kind of maintain our cool. And we want to just explain to them why, you know, they should listen to us and why we're in charge and they have to do what we say. Or we, we launch into a million lectures about why this is the right thing to think and how dare they not think that way. Um, it's best to step back once we've collected our kids and, and ask them, well, tell me more about that. You know, tell me more about why you think that, you know, kind of walk me through like what things have happened that made you think that way or that caused you to doubt or caused you to feel. And don't, don't get stuck with the super superficial stuff. You know, it's not an intellectual thing. It's an, uh, with kids, it's rarely an intellectual thing. It's more of an emotional thing. Right. So if your kid says, well, I think this teaching doesn't make sense, ask them about the experience that they've had that makes them think it doesn't make sense. Right. So, so for example, if they say, you know, um, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, uh, that such and such is a sin now, rather than pulling out the catechism and showing them in black and white, where, why, where, and why it is a sin, ask them, well, kind of help me understand what's happened in your life or in your friends' lives that makes you think that maybe that's not sinful, right? What's the experience that's underlying the doubt or the resistance? Um, really listen to it. D don't, don't listen to it in a way that's like, I just can't wait to say my thing, you know, but really listen and, and, and bite your tongue. Maybe this time you're not going to say anything. Maybe you just want to sit and listen for this 15 minutes or, or hour and not say much and say, you know what, I, I, you really raised some interesting points. I want to, I want to think about it and pray about it. Is it okay if we talk about this again? You know, and, and just help them feel like you really care about their experience and you really care about what they've been through and why they're th thinking the way they are, because we can't help them process those experiences and own the faith for themselves or own our morals and values for themselves. If we don't take that time to really listen to what it is that, that they've been through that makes them have those thoughts or questions or resistances. Uh, the third step is, is make a plan together. You know, you don't have to have all the answers. Um, it's, it's okay to say, well, let's, let's talk about this. You know, how would you be able to, you know, meet that need or address that concern and still, you know, come to a place where you could believe this, you know, is there, a, is there a way that you could see, uh, that this could be true if we address this concern or that concern, right? So you're you're coming up with a plan together, uh, and if you don't know, then it's okay to say, well, you know, let's 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 do some reading together, or let's let's uh, let's talk to somebody about this together. Let's talk to the pastor about this, or get some information. You know, so you're it's not you know. In fact, um, in our role as co-directors of the Peyton Institute for Domestic Church Life, which is an apostolate of Holy Cross Family Ministries and the Congregation of Holy Cross Priests. Lisa and I um, sponsored a study through the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate at Georgetown. It's a it's a major uh, Catholic research organization, uh, and one of the, and we the study that we did looked at what are the family dynamics 
in households who successfully raised most, if and in many cases all, of their children to a faithful adulthood. So these were, you know, on average, Catholics raise about 15% of their kids to be faithful Catholic adults. These families raised almost all of them. So we looked at what, what's different there. And one of the things that really stood out from those interviews, because we interviewed both the parents and the faithful adult kids, and tried to identify the family dynamics that were responsible for faith transmission. And one of the things that really stood out was the spirit of open dialogue, where the kids felt like they could come to their parents with their doubts, with their concerns, with criticisms, with, with, with all of that, and not get a lecture. That they'd be heard and be understood and cared for, and that the parents would work through it with them. Uh, and if the parents didn't know, then they'd explore it together. But it was very much a sense that, you know, it was safe for me to talk to my parents about anything, especially my doubts and concerns and criticisms about the faith. And then we would work through it. So this idea of making a plan together is very, very, very core and key to you being able to effectively pass on the faith to your kids. Because the more we just adopt a lecturing approach and we say, well, this is the way you have to believe and never mind what you think or never mind what you've been through. This is just what you have to parrot back. We'll get kids who will listen to us and, and at least appear faithful until they go to college. Uh, and then they'll finally get to do what they've been wanting to do since they were 11 years old and, and, and not go to church anymore. So really taking that time to listen. Uh, the fourth step is, is, is pray, right? And, and not just pray, certainly pray for your children, but pray with them. You know, when they come to you with a concern, uh, express your empathy first. You know, you know it's really, it is really hard to understand this. It, it is really uh, frustrating to kind of wrestle with that. Or I really get, you know, why you're having those doubts or, or why you're mad at me or, or whatever it is. Um, so empathize first, but then say, you know, let's take this to God. You know, Lord, you know, just help me be the father my, my child needs me to be right now. You know, just help me be able to, to really listen to them and, and help them feel like I've heard them. Help me to have the wisdom to know how to respond in ways that, that really help them be their best selves and, and help me be my best self too. And let us grow together through this. You know, amen. Right. So I'm, I'm praying with them through the thing. I'm, I'm bringing their doubts. I'm bringing their fears. I'm bringing their concerns to God in the moment. Uh, I'm empathizing with them first so that they feel like the, I'm connecting with them and I get it, but then we're bringing it right to God. I'm not jumping in and, and, and doing it all with them and I'm, or all for them. I'm, I'm bringing it to God and asking for his guidance through this. So, you know, I'm collecting them first, second, I'm, I'm listening to them. Thirdly, we're trying to make a plan, but we're also praying through this together. Right. And then finally being strong, you know, then this is, this is just the toughest thing, but you know, our strength doesn't come from controlling the outcome. Our strength comes from facilitating the process, right? Let's go back to school, right? I, I couldn't control what grade I got on a test, but I could control the process of studying for the test, right? If I had a good, and if I had a good process, then there's a decent chance I'd get a good grade. Same thing's true here. You know, I can't control the outcome. Uh, I can't control whether my kid buys into the faith or not. I can't control whether my kid pushes back or not. I can't, I can't control any of those variables. But I can control the process with which I deal with resistance, um, with which I deal with their persecution and, and their, their, their nasty comments or their rolling their eyes or you know, the, the resistance they put up. I can, I can have a good process, this process that we're talking here. Um, and the more I stick to this process, the more I can be strong and confident that I'm working through it with them. And that's the most important thing. It's not, it's not that I can control the outcome. It's that I can control the fact that I 
I'm strong enough to work through this with them. And I'm willing to do whatever work I have to do on myself or this relationship um, to get us there. And when, my, when our kids can see that, they see that we are modeling that righteousness. Again, because righteousness is all about pursuing right order in my life. Righteousness is not about standing on top of a mountain and issuing decrees to everybody else. It's about being down there in, in the mud with, with them and saying, let's, let's work through this together and not being afraid to get dirty and roll up our sleeves. Uh, and so when our kids are able to, do the, able to see us modeling that righteousness, that we're willing to do the work, that we're willing to put ourselves in order, we're willing to put our relationship with them in order, they're willing to work with it too because our kids want to be in a good relationship with us. They want to listen to us. Um, but sometimes it's hard because they don't know how to address that concern or that need um, or that problem on the road to accepting and talking through what we're saying. So the more we do these five steps, the more we're able to position ourselves in a way that allows us to really effectively mentor our kids through their doubts. And, and especially in those times when they're when we're feeling a little persecuted by their doubts or their resistance uh, or you know, their willfulness or call it what you will. So that this brings us actually uh, to the end of the eight beatitudes. I, I have a little reflection that I'll share with you next week, and then we'll kind of apply these beatitudes to different situations and continue the podcast by looking at those things. But but I want to thank you for sticking with me as we walk through the book together, and I want to encourage you to actually pick up a copy of the beatitudes: eight ways to be an awesome dad, uh, because it'll go deeper into all the different themes that we've been discussing over the last you know several weeks. Um, so check it out. The Bedatitude's eight ways to be an awesome dad. And if you have questions about any things that I'm sharing here, please feel free to post them in the home builders channel. We love the conversations that come up there and we love it when we get, when you post your questions. So please do. And thanks so much for being part of the Catholic home community. God bless.